0: Tulsa Titans are those in our city who aren't backing down. They stay positive when things look hard. They lead with integrity, even when it requires sacrifice. They take their family life as serious as their work life. This show features them to teach and inspire the next generation among us. Welcome to Tulsa Titans Highlighting Leaders in our local community who are making a difference. I'm excited. I've got a friend and also a mentor today, Mark Tedford with Tedford Insurance. Uh, Tedford Insurance has been around for 43 years. It's got seven locations. Uh, Mark is the current CEO. Uh, Mark, you also help pour into Ronald McDonald uh, Foundation. I know you guys do uh, several other nonprofit organizations. You're on several boards. And then for leadership development, uh, Mark helps run faith and business and executive leadership lunches uh, once a month and once a quarter. Uh, Mark, I'm glad to have you on.
1: Thanks for, thanks for having me on.
0: Um, just past that, can you share a little bit just with the audience about what you may think is important as far as it pertains to the interview?
1: About just about myself. Um, yeah. So, second generation uh, business person so my dad um, obviously we've been around 43 years I, I didn't start it um, I'm not that old uh, but my dad started in 1978 so second generation uh, business person i really don't look at myself as an entrepreneur but really more as a business person because I, I i took over ongoing you know business which has its own you know challenges you know that type of thing um, our You know, we're um, a local independent, we're in seven communities, we really try to give back to the communities. And so um, being involved in in not for profits uh, is important to us and try to make a difference in the, you know, the local community.
0: Oh, perfect. Well, and so we're still towards the beginning of the year. One of the things that I like to ask the guests is, you know, it's it's that whole New Year's resolution time. Are there things in the business or for you personally that you've looked at and you've cut out this year? And what are three things that you've really concentrated on for 2021?
1: Yeah, so I'm real big into time management. And, um, and you know, especially on the personal side, uh, you know, everybody talks about being... You know, everybody's addicted to their, you know, cell phone or to social media or that type of thing. And so with the election last year and all the, you know, drama that went around that, I I just kind of got too much of it. So I decided to really try to limit the amount of social media that I was doing. Uh, Some of you guys have probably read The Social Dilemma. One of the things I picked out of that um, piece was to turn off your notifications on your phone. And so I went through and basically disabled all all the notifications that weren't, you know, explicitly family or business oriented. So you know, if, uh, so, my employees can text me, I'll get notification there, but I don't get notifications for Facebook or LinkedIn or, you know, that type of thing. And I think that's really helped um, limit the amount of time that I've been spending on that type of stuff. And there's a lot of good resources now. I mean, your phone will tell you how much time you spend on each um, app, you, you know, um, you get resources on uh, your computer that will tell you where you're spending your time. And, and so um, that's what I've been trying to do is kind of um, limit my time. I, I do also kind of allocate, allocate to each. Um, I break down my time and classify it. And so what am I spending my time on to um, things that are uh, like working on my business, things that are working in my business, you know, sales related activities, uh, personal development type time, and that type of thing, and try to really watch, you know, what time I'm spending where. Um, So that's kind of what I looked at this year. And I do, I do goals every year, um, um, broken, broken down between, you know, business goals, you know, personal goals, as far as um, health and fitness and personal development. And, you know, again, also business goals and that type of thing. So I've got as far as what I'm trying to add in this year, um, I do. I'm a big reader, so I I, I do um, try to read about uh, two books a month. So uh, some hard copy, some audiobook, uh, and so I begin the year pick out what books that uh, that I'm going to try to read or reread or you know that type of thing, and so um,
0: you know I'm
1: set up for the the year my, as far as my reading schedule. So.
0: Awesome. No, that's, that's great. And so when it comes to, you know, you talked about reading and consuming uh, information. So you've cut off a lot of the social, what I find in younger leaders, and we've talked about this with previous uh, podcast guests is they consume a lot. So you mentioned audio and physical books. Can you just share with your process? Because what I find is they almost get information overload. And they look at reading all the books as an accomplishment, but there's lack of action. So what's kind of your process around taking keys out of those resources and moving forward with them?
1: Right. You know, normally I'll do, I'll take, I'm I'm real big on OneNote. So I put like all my personal notes in OneNote. And so if I'm reading a, a book that I'm really trying to get something business oriented out of, I'll do kind of a summary of the book in OneNote and try to see what can I, um, capture into, you know, um, my schedule or my thought processes or that type of thing. And so that's what I try to do. I, I keep kind of notes, uh, throughout the year of kind of the takeaways from, from each, you know, business books, so that's kind of, you know, try to do it that way. And in some, some books more than others, some books are very, I get a, a lot out of, and I can take a lot of takeaways and some not so much, um you know maybe it's good that you've read it but really not a lot of direct takeaways you know um from it some things just reinforce what you're already doing you know so um you know it's interesting to see how some people are managing themselves their time and that type of thing once you once you buy into a system like we talk about traction i'm a big traction guy and so you know it's a um a process an operating system if you will for executives and and it has its own um, ways of organizing your time and that type of thing so if you're really committed into that um, you can take some other books and how they're suggesting that you manage your time but you're not going to change if you're committed to traction you're, you're not you might use it to tweak something but you're not going to use two or three different ways of managing your time you don't, only can really commit to one system and that type of thing. So it's just having an awareness of maybe what's out there, what other people are doing. I mean, there's some books that are very applicable to what we do, some books that aren't as much. Um, so if you just take away what's applicable um, uh, to your business and, you know, uh, just having awareness of what else is out there for stuff that doesn't directly apply to you.
0: No, that's great. And when I talk to uh, other leaders, my, my kind of likening there and we don't realize we do it is, you know, you don't take a batter that hit a home run and tweak a swing, you know, right process that works you don't mess with it while it's working right Uh, what about on a daily level is there something daily uh, that you do or have done that you know has allowed you to be successful
1: um so i'm real big into um again i keep insurance is very transactional first off and so um maybe more so than other industries we've got a lot of deadlines a lot of deadlines that are daily or weekly um, and so normally I've got a lot of transactions to keep up with. And so I'm real big on keeping, um, you know, a task manager. I use, I use Salesforce mainly for that. Um, and so, um, you know, I'll have a, a daily list so that I have to maintain on uh, Salesforce to kind of keep me on track. Um, the traction process is real good. It, it, it breaks everything down into a weekly p- uh, pace. And so um, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annually. And so, um, it takes, she, it's real good about taking you from, um, your short-term daily thinking out until your long-term strategy. And so I, I think, especially for one of sales, like myself or business, it's, you know, being able to take your long-term goals and integrate them into what do I need to do today that aligns with the long-term goals. Sometimes it's very difficult for people. Um, they don't, they maybe understand where they want to go, but they don't understand how. What they're doing today relates to that or um, and so traction is really good. I think that helping you back into it's more of a weekly thing than a a daily, but you can take that weekly and and push it back into a daily to do list pretty easily. So um, uh, but traction is a process that I use that helps me that helps me do that. It's it's and it's pretty effective at it.
0: Okay, great. So again, I mean, why reinvent the wheel when somebody wrote a well, right, machine, right? Pour into it, right. Um, you know, something I admire about you, I've uh, been and worked with several of your professionals, and I've actually interviewed some of your C levels before. And you equip great leaders, you put great leaders in place. But then you know, like Raj, personally, you have great leaders around you personally, as a professional, growing a business, and then staffing great leaders and then putting great leaders in your life personally, both business and, and personal. What's your thought process on that and kind of how you reflected in that area in the past?
1: Well, I mean, internally, um, the business can only be as successful as the um, competencies of those you have in your business. So um, having um, good leaders around you is very important. And as you're, as you're growing from you know, maybe entrepreneur to where um, like it's just you to like a smaller business to to really the point where you're the owner and you have um, staff management. Um, it becomes you know vitally important, and I think that's a um, that's a ceiling for some people. Being able to manage managers, manage C-suite executives is much harder than people really think um, that it should be. And so, um, one finding those with talent to be able to fill those roles and then managing and getting them equipped and buying into the, um, mission of the organization is, is very hard. So I don't know that there's a real necessarily secret sauce to it. It takes, um, one, it takes, you know, knowing what your mission is and, and, and what, type of people would fit in well with it. And then, you know, the rigor of, of hiring the right person. And if they're not a good fit, um, you know, being disciplined enough to recognize it and, and get them to the right seat or get another person in there or that type of thing. um, That, that process is very hard. I I think that a lot of people don't really, really see that, um, that it surprised me as I was, you know, I used to be the, you know, I was the owner and, and middle manager at the same time. And the time that I was moving to just the owner spot, and I had middle managers under me, I was really shocked about how difficult that process was. And it, and it, it took me two or three iterations. And so, you know, I guess I wasn't smart enough to figure it out on the first run through. It took me two or three times to really get it right. And it's not that the person that, I was hiring wasn't necessarily the right person, but um, maybe I didn't have the processes ready yet. Um, I didn't train them properly. Um, they were a competent person, but maybe I was putting them in a role that they were not competent in. It took me a while to to learn that I had to, I had a role in it myself as far as having those things in order by the time to then have the right person fill in, and so um, that is very difficult um, um, process to get down. But, um, you know, that's the goal everybody tries to get to most most business books talk about leadership and delegation and strategy and these things. And so, you um, know, I think that's why that the that the, most of the books are that way, because that's the hardest part, you know, really um, is, you know deciding what direction the company is gonna go and who's the best fit to, to lead it and that type of thing. So sure. it, again, it's not always obvious that it is, but, but I think it is.
0: No, there's gold there. I mean, I think it's really important that you said some of this stuff is hard because the books yeah. are the things that we look at with people on the top of the mountain, talk about all of them, but, but not many are very realistic to share the failure and to share uh, the emotions and hiring the wrong person or hiring a person too quickly and then having to fire certain people. Uh, You also said, which I think is really, really important, is are they a culture fit? You know, did I hire just on talents or do they fit the departments and the groups they have to work alongside? Um, I hired and you said I hired and didn't have processes in place. Okay, so it's not just the right person. It's actually the person showing up on site, understanding the culture, the systems you work in, and having things in place for them to be successful. That's all really good. Right. What about... You know, so, so work-life balance, you run a lot. Uh, you're involved in a lot of groups. I'm involved in some of those with you. I think they're great. From a, a professional that's been in a, in the business a long time and is helping to further grow their company, taking a break And what do you enjoy doing and why, and then what kind of professionals do you make sure you keep around, around yourself kind of outside of Tedford
1: Insurance? Right. You know, as far as, um, you know, personal management, I, I think um, I – naturally kind of a workaholic and so i think kind of early in my career i would put and part of the way i would um you could say maybe justify my existence or really feeling like i was um doing what i should be doing is to put in the huge hours and so early in my career i would put in just huge hours um and there's a real risk of burnout when you do that and i think a lot of um leaders and executives, business owners suffer that they, they don't pace themselves and then they, they burn out. So I I think, um, uh, leisure is, is needed, you know, uh, and a a break is needed. And, And I think if you don't plan in, you know, you don't schedule in a break, then, um, you could, you could have burnout. And so that's a, that's a real problem. And so, um, I, used um you know for someone who is whose work is not very um physical which mine's not um then doing something um you know fit for physical fitness is a good mental break because um one you're getting your your exercise which you're not getting at your work you know But it's also giving your mind a break and giving your mind a chance to recoup. So I'm a real big advocate for doing something physical outside. You know, mine historically was, you know, running or biking um, that I really enjoyed to get out. Um, But, you know, just anything to, to it's also giving yourself a mental break. You know, I found when I would run, I would. Um you know, unwind everything in my brain that happened during the day or whatever. And it was, it was a, it was a good break for me. So I think that's very important, you know, piece of that. You, you you can't hammer it, you know, go wall to wall all the time. You know, you'll, you'll burn out if you, if you do that. And so it's, it's important to give yourself a break. Now, as far as working around other people as um, as my role changed to, from being, you know, when my dad was still around, I was you know, again, like I said, I already described myself as a middle manager or a, you know, I was just in produ- general production, you know, was my role. I was a, I was an agent uh, to the point where when he had passed away that I really needed to fill the role of not just agent and, you know, uh, middle manager, but leader. You know, I was the one that needed yeah. to make decisions with my brothers um, that they're, you know, that's one thing the leader has to provide One thing you can't delegate a CEO is the direction, you know, the mission. Um, you still there? Yeah, I had a, had a call comment, sorry about that. But one thing you can't, you know, delegate is, um, you know, the mission and the strategy and that type of thing. So you still have to provide the direction uh, and also, my, my role kind of changed to again into being a leader. Then also, bit more business development than production. So um, that's kind of when I really started getting into um, um, really trying to meet and and be around um, other leaders. One to kind of get a, a sense of how you know what they do to be successful and and. Um, you know, also for business, it was good to see if there's some business that we can do together, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, I think it's really true that, you know, um, you become kind of, the you you become like the people you're around the most often. Uh, And so um, if you're around successful people that are doing the right thing, then you pick up their habits and um, you learn from them and you collaborate with them and it turns out to be a good thing. And so Um, I've been very blessed to have had uh, a lot of good friends that were also very successful business people that I could learn from and, you know, collaborate with.
0: No, that's great. So if I'm a a businessman that's struggling or working too many hours, or I just realize the people that I'm hanging out with aren't aren't bringing me up, which I think a lot of guys either don't hang out or they hang out with sometimes the wrong people. um, Where would you suggest that I look to get involved uh, to meet some of these business professionals.
1: Right. Um, you know, besides the obvious of uh, different organizations that um, that those um, business leaders would go to, like faith and business and that type of thing, if there's somebody you admire in, in your industry or a related industry or just a business person you admire, honestly, I would just suggest to give them a call and say you'd like to um, take them to lunch and ask them questions about what they do. I mean, most business people are very open about helping others and sharing their experience and that type of thing. And so um, I think that, you know, um, you would probably get a pretty good response to, you know, to, to do that and just, you know, ask, you know, what would you advice? would you give me? I think most business people are, are pretty open with their advice and, and uh, want to help help people so i would you know if you if you know someone goes to a meeting and you've seen them there and you want to know more about what they do or you think that they have some information that would help you just go up to them and ask them if you could get a a little bit of their time to ask them i think uh, that'd be a good approach
0: no that's great you get a lot from asking and nothing if you don't right just got to ask for the things that you want and and i i think we do we can see in others what we want we just need to ask for it. that's really good yeah Uh, so I had the, the privilege before the call, too, to call Chad. I know uh, one of your higher-level guys over there, great guy, uh, big heart, wants to change the community, so he's happy to help. Yep. But, uh, I said, hey, so you know, last year, I mean, your insurance industry, we talked. You've had to have a lot of hard conversations with, with clients. I said, but what, is, what does Mark Tedford mean to you? What does leadership mean to you? And Chad said time. He said Mark's always willing to give his time to people, and he lets you talk. And that's really, really important. Can you speak on spending time with your team, with your staff and what that looks like for you?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I first came in the business, um, it's funny because I, I I felt like um, you know, my dad was very busy. He was he was, uh, again, a classic entrepreneur, Yeah. Um, did everything uh, and didn't have any time. And so you know, for me to get him to help me in anything was like an act of Congress. And he did at times there were some, uh, if I was able to get an appointment with a very high value client, uh, he, he would go with me. And there was a number of times he went out with me, but by a large part, um, he just was not available. And, and there wasn't really many other mentors in the, in the organization at the time. So I kind of had to figure things out by myself. And so, having that experience, I remember feeling that, you know, it probably doesn't take that much extra time to, to, to just sit down with somebody and help them through the problem they're, they're working on, you know, um, you know, why make them recreate the wheel when you dealt with this five years ago and figured out a, a good way to, to handle it, you know, uh, just sharing the techniques, um, that I use to be successful, um, and passing those on. I think that's one thing in an organization that's important is the leader kind of share the, the, his his or her secret sauce, you know, this is kind of, this is how I handled this, this is how I dealt with this and and um, and so you know, kind of once you know you know why would I have a salesman learn the 10 different ways to lose an account just tell them, hey, you're going to lose the account this way or that way and you know, better than have them experience on their own and so I've always was committed to you know, if I have if I have the time to, to dig in and help the person, um, whether it's doing a joint call or or um sit down for an hour and work through something. so I've really tried to do that as much as possible. But a lot of it was out of my experience of feeling like when I was coming up, I didn't really have a lot of people really able to help me, you know, and and feel like if somebody could just tell me this, I could I could and you know, I think me working through it, you know ultimately gave me better skill because i had to just fight fight through it but you know i I think that you know i was also a family member and so uh, i i had that to lean on that you know this is why i'm doing that is that you know ultimately i'm going to be you know um the owner but you have someone who's a staff person that doesn't have that background to to fall back on to have to have the owner support them by spending time with them and helping them is, is meaningful.
0: No, that's wonderful. And, and Chad mentioned family. He said, Hey, you know, you know, what's, what's really kind of a treasure about Tedford insurance is we don't have a lot of turnover because people feel sure. like family they're listened to and they feel like they're family. So obviously you doing that bears a lot of fruit
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. the things to, to do is recover once you have to let people go. there.
1: I had a, a manager tell me one time there was an agent who was kind of struggling and they said, you know, Mark, the only reason that guy made it is because you helped them. And I was like, well, yeah, but why wouldn't I help him? You know, why would we just throw a guy out there, you know, to the wolves and have him, you know, in for himself, you know, yeah. uh, we should be helping them, you know, as much as possible. I mean, and you could get into, and obviously what he was saying is there's sometimes people need too much help and, and, you know, you have to watch that. But, but ultimately, I, I think you should be helping develop your personnel, become the people they can become, you know.
0: Yeah. So you, you, you tend to fall and you've seen some proof of falling on the, the far left side of that, right, is making sure, yeah. that, hey, I'd rather be over helpful than not be there. for it.
1: Right, right.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, something in, in kind of coming off the time spent listening, you know, that's what I heard from Chad. In the same kind of vein, there is one of the things I've admired about you is is we talk about really hard things when we get together and and chat or Mm -hmm. with the guys, and you're you handle it well and you handle it non-emotionally, and you you you're the last to speak. You listen to everything. You want all the facts. You want to make sure the people you're talking to genuinely understand what they're talking about, and you understand what they're asking before you can respond. And I I have to uh, bet that bears a lot of fruit in your leadership as well
1: yeah i think you know um business is about weathering ups and downs and um you know you're going to being in business any amount of time you're going to have a, a professional win and you're going to have a professional disappointment it's just kind of part of it and i think part of the maturity as a business owner is really putting the failures in perspective and um and it's more about, hey, did I do what I could? Did I do all I could do? And if I did, being at peace with whatever happens, you know? And I think that comes sometimes with uh, just with time and maturity. I know that when I was first in the business, I had a little bit of a hard time with that. I would really be down after I would lose a piece of business or have something that didn't go the way that I wanted it to, and let it bother me for a long period of time. And uh, on the flip side, too, it's like I would be, you know, have the, you know, emotional high of having a big win. And and sometimes it was, you know, um, I, I let that affect, you know, my mood more than it should. You know, like I said, if I, I was in a good place mentally, if I just had a big win, I was in a bad place, if I just had a big loss. And, you know, you know, you have to, your your value, personal value is not dependent on, you know, just your, your, the latest success that you had, or your personal value is not diminished in any way, just because you had a, a professional failure. And so, uh, I think it is important, um, for someone who's newer in the business that an older owner can give them that perspective and say, you know what, you're going to be fine. Um, you know, you'll get the next one, you know, you don't have to, to, um, this, uh, this issue, this loss, whatever has, no ultimate impact on your, on your career, you know, you're going to push through and, and make it happen, and I think given that perspective is something that's important for a business leader, um, it's where it's not emotional, that you can just, it's just business, you know, if, if you, when you have a win, when you have a loss, it ultimately, it's just business, and it's really fun when you have a win, when you have a loss, it's not fun, but it's not something that's devastating, or whatever, you just, you move on, you know, uh, and that just comes with time, I think.
0: Yeah, and that's great. Well, and, and again, being around leaders, you want to be around and asking all these questions, right? Yeah. You're not sitting there beating yourself too, up too much because there's more, like you said, there's more failures to come. And we bear yeah. more fruit if we learn from the failure than, than beat ourselves up. Yeah. So I, I think this is interesting. Second generation business owner, you know, statistically, a lot of those businesses fall off big time and you guys have grown. Um, what's your why? You know, so dad started the business and now you're running it. When you get up every morning, you, know, you talked in the past about burnout and overcoming that. But right now, when you get up, what is your why every day?
1: Well, I mean, the, the mission for Tedford Insurance is uh, protecting the dreams uh, of our clients. And so, um, you know, ultimately, that's, that's what we do is um, help clients get past the, their toughest times. But as far as myself, I mean, I kind of sense that um, I've always kind of been an opportunist, you know, and thought, you know, one should take advantage of the opportunities afforded them. And so I recognize being able to take over um, a family business was uh, a great opportunity and to really make, you know, the agency something special, you know, and so to make the agency all that it could be, um, and, and so that's kind of my thing is to take, take what we have and really try to make it um, be the best you know, age that we could be, that I could be the best person that I could be. And, I, you know, I felt like that, you know, God's given me um, opportunity and talent and um, competencies um, to do what I do and that I, sh- and I should show up and, um, and do my best as I could is just kind of a way to um, to honor the opportunities that I've been afforded so that's kind of you know my why
0: no that's great well then as far as taking your why and and now pushing it all the way through your culture what does that look like you know in 2021 how are you distilling that same drive and the same kind of vision for what Tedford is and the why behind showing up and giving 100% to every employee
1: sure I mean um you know, as you grow, uh, having the culture is very important, kind of even in role of quality control, you know, meaning that um, you want your employees to be as passionate about your mission of protecting dreams as you are, you know, and you want them to take it as seriously as you take it, you know, and, um, you know, our, our core values are, are dependability professionalism and and driven and so we take these core values and and you know uh, apply them to uh, our performance and so um every action you know did we act in this manner did we, we were you know um in the drivenness did we you know do everything we needed to do to um help the client to to fix their problem you know, were we there for the client when they, when they needed us? You know, um, did we do a good professionalism? Did we do a good job arranging their coverage so that when they needed it the most that it was there? I mean, insurance has, it. you know, um, you know we'll arrange an insurance program and 95% of the clients never use it through the year. And so we're really not, um, do, did we do a good job with the insurance? I mean, the, everyone thinks so, but, uh, but at the time of the claim, you know, all is revealed, you know, whether we did a good job, we didn't good, do a good job, is finally revealed at the time the claim happens, you know, and it comes out. And so the idea is that when we have our moment of truth, you know, we better have been doing everything in the background properly um, so that, you know, we can have a good experience for the client. And when you do your job right, and the client's in their most desperate time of need, and the company comes through, the program comes through like it was supposed to, it's a really good feeling, you know, because you've you've really helped that person out. They've had a major fire or whatever it is. They're able to get back on their feet because you did your job as the insurance agent. And so you want everybody in the organization to feel that way and be passionate that way. And as a leader, I think it's, the job is to, to evaluate how we're doing on the mission and our, how we're doing on our core values and and, and mine, whether our our performance, people are urgently, um, you know, working on the core values, urgently doing their job the way they should be doing it. And, and as the organization grows, that job becomes harder and harder, you know, to uh, make sure that um, everyone in the organization is doing what they're supposed to be doing to, to meet the company's mission. So, um, again, I think as the company grows, you know if a small company and just you and a couple people you're working very closely with it's a little easier to drive culture than it is when you have seven locations and there's some people you only see a couple times a year and so um, there are some challenges as you grow on on that type of front again you just have to be um, you have to just push to keep the culture you know sound
0: no that's good um you know, especially how difficult it be. Again, just the transparency of you got multiple locations that some of them aren't close to each other. And how do you spread it? I like the visual you give to the fire, right? To the actual disaster, mm-hmm. uh, the feeling that you showed of, hey, guys, that's a win. That was a really good representation. Yeah. One last question. You mentioned traction for business. Um, but mm-hmm. a couple other books, right? So the Tedford House is burning down, right? But I know it's, it's covered by insurance. And let's say you can grab mm-hmm to really go back through what would those books be for you and why
1: um the books over the years that were you know impactful um you know stephen covey's seven habits of highly effective uh, people were was big for me um back in the day i haven't read it in a while but i I still use some of the terminology from it especially the four quadrants it was real big um for us and applying that, um, you know, um, Collins Good to Great was um, was an important book a book that we tried to bring into the business and test some of the things that that we did. I, I think Good to Great is a little bit it's for larger corporations than maybe we were, but there's still some good concepts you know in there. Um, I really liked the book The Power of Habit um, was really good. I, again. Insurance is very um, task-oriented, transaction-oriented. Uh, time management is very important, and so um, building good habits is important. So I really felt like that was a really good book, um, and so that's probably some uh, some of the three that are, that immediately come um, come to mind. Um, I like uh, I like the author Malcolm Gladwell too. Um, it's His books seem to be kind of, a, uh, you know, you sometimes don't have as much of a central theme, but they have a lot of good nuggets that you can that you can pick out of it. Um, and then, of course, traction. Like I said, traction. Um, we have bought bought into the whole way um, that kind of guides our. And at the time that we we started using traction, we were not doing very well in um, our meetings and our organization we were doing strategy we were going through developing our mission and vision statements and core values and doing those things Mm -hmm. (laughs) but we weren't able to integrate them back into and we were doing uh, like a year budget we were doing those things but um, traction really helped integrate and um, not only that i think there's there's also a um a um tendency to for an executive team to do all this thinking and strategizing and not really communicating that to the rest of the staff so you're really so you got this great plan worked out you have this great strategy and you're all excited about it and no one knows anything what you're talking about and so um traction does have um, a component where they you're you're each of the executives go out into their departments and have meetings with you know those middle managers and line staff to disseminate what it's happening in at, on the executive team, and that was a that w- when we were able to integrate traction enough to get it down into um, the rank and file employees, it was much more impactful. And so, and that took probably three years at least, you know, maybe three four years until we were organized enough to make that happen. So. That's one thing I think too about. You read a book and or you read some material, and it and um, and it's good stuff. But sometimes you don't really think it's it's going to take. Sometimes you know, as far as building culture, it's something that takes years really to effectively do. And I think people don't um, really um, accurately assess how much time and effort it's going to take to build these things. It's important, but it's something. It's not going to culture is not going to happen overnight. It's something that um, it takes the people who are going to buy in. Some will buy in real quick. Some will buy in slow. Some will never buy in. So it's like the ones that will never buy in will slowly opt out of the organization. And if you do a good job of hiring people that are good culture fits, then over time, you'll have um, mostly people who are great culture fits for you. But it's not something just going to immediately happen. And hey, guys, we're going to have a culture like this. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. And so, um, yeah, and that's one thing I like about traction is it's, it's something that you can start small and you can slowly, you know, ramp up and integrate it. And at the end of the day, it's a good uh, technique to to build culture. Good, good book has good information, good way to build culture.
0: No, that's great. Well, I, I wish I could remember who said it. Um, for, for a lot of the goals and things that we want to do, somebody, you know, you see the people again on the top of the mountain in your eyes in this one thing, and yeah. we underestimate I, I, why like two or three times that, right? How much time yep. is it actually going to take? And somebody said a phrase that lines up really well with that, that if you just know that each one of these things you want is going to take three times as much time and effort as you're thinking, you'll be successful yep. when you commit yep. to it.
1: I saw a picture of Jeff Bezos in a in like a one person office, and Here, here's Jeff Bezos and Amazon back in 1974. Yeah, you know, he's the one guy in the office. You know, um, so yeah, it does. It things take time. I mean, people look at people successful people, you think, oh, he just it just happened for them, and you don't really see the years and um, that they slaved away and and we're we were, were building uh, their organizations. It, it, you really, that's, un, that's not celebrate the hard work to get there is not celebrated just right. the successes, you know? Yeah. Just
0: the result of all the hard work.
1: Yeah.
0: Something else you said is really important. So we, our niche is the nine to 90 employees, right? And we'll deploy much like I'm sure you deploy new policies and we send out emails to every manager, all the ownership and majority of the time. And I think this is why you said it's so important from that traction book. We'll show up on site and 80% of the staff has no idea we're showing up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it happens
0: yeah. all the time. And so yeah. anybody listening, that's so important that when you're making a change, that affects certain departments or the whole company, or your departments are going to even interact with each other differently because of this thing. Everybody has to know.
1: Yeah, I, I think too, it's the job of management and leadership to make sure the communication's happening. Too many times management says, I sent an email, nobody read it, it's their fault. And I think that's a wrong way to look at it. Yeah. Again, if you're the one that's in charge of culture, if the culture isn't happening, it's your fault. Okay. It cannot be the fault of the employees. They're they're the one you're trying to lead, right? And so that means you need to get with them and, and work with them. And so this over communication is big. I mean, communication organizations hard anyway. Yeah. And about the time you're sick of saying something is the time they're just starting to get it. You know, so um you know, sending the one email never gets it done. And, and I think it, what's important as a leader is to mine for feedback. You know, so if you have someone that's your direct report, you know, and you're trying to get some new initiative um, going is to ask, you know, what problems they see with it, what issues they have with it, uh, where, do you, where do you see us, in, you know, not getting it done and getting that feedback. I think that's way um, that, that doesn't happen enough you know I, I think that sometimes as leaders we don't want to hear the negative feedback when that's exactly what we should be hearing because that's the honest feedback you know yeah. um and so and that in this area of culture that that's big it's like you know wh- where are we you know we say we're going to do this where are we not ma- making that happen and if you're uh and if the employee will tell you one, it tells you that they trust you enough and they'll tell you something that maybe you don't wanna hear, but then two, it's probably very accurate and very honest and and, um, and, and then allows you to fix the problem. You know, there's a, we'd have clients that were really um, abrasive clients and always complaining. And I would tell the staff that that client is helping you because he's telling you where you're blowing it and giving you an opportunity to fix it. The client that's the issue is the one that's never saying anything and saying everything's fine. And then you wake up one day and they've moved their business, yeah, because they weren't happy the last two years and they just weren't telling you. And so it's the same thing as employees. The employee that is the sometimes the employee that's giving you the negative feedback and you think is you know the gadfly and the problem employee might be the person that's telling you doing you a favor because he's telling you where you're missing it.
0: No, that's great. When I think too, you know, you're talking seven sites and dozens and dozens of employees uh what's important a lot of people like this you wouldn't know without them right you know and then uh, the, the other thing you said it was really important is extreme ownership is leadership rises and falls on the sh- in the shoulders of the leader right, right. So you can't just be sending emails it's good right so if, if, i think
1: i think too many times uh I, what i've seen is people want to um want to blame the employee the person that working under them too much. The manager has hired, created the process, created the management structure, done the training, um, all of the incentive packages they manage. And then at the time that there's a a failure, they want to say it's the employee. It's all the employee. And it's just not possible for it all to be the employee when the manager's control of all those other factors. And so my thing is that you do have to take ownership of all those things, you know.
0: Well, that's good. So, Mark, after this interview, if somebody has a question, um, like you said, just just ask. Um, there's so many ways that people try to get a hold of each other nowadays with social media and things like that. What's your preferred method of communication?
1: Um, I like, I guess, good old fashioned, if I call it that email. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably the best. Uh I do read my email every day. Um and so, you know, with all the other ways to communicate, um, you know, sometimes, you know, even text can be more immediate, but uh, sometimes text for me is just that immediate it's the immediate information. And I don't save the text as much as I do like an email. So email is probably best phone, um, um you know, I do have an executive secretary that, that helps me manage the phone calls and stuff coming in on my calendar. Um, so um, communication with, with her works, works pretty good for me as well.
0: Okay, perfect. And just the Tedford main number then?
1: Tedford main number or mark at tedford.net.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you, everybody's. Kellen Cowan, owner of New Wave Solutions. Mark, thank you for giving today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on. Mm-hmm.